what a joy it is to be with you again. Today we're talking about what do you see and what is it that you do with what you see. And I invite you, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, to open with me to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 17. And we'll be using the Common Standard Bible. So what do you do with what you see? Friends, I originally chose this scripture because I I had a deep need to say thank you. To say thank you to the current community, to the faithful. Thank you for your love of God. And living out of the depth of that love of God, we express that in our love of neighbor. So thank you for who you are. I know that things were challenging for a while. But your faithfulness was an amazing manifestation of God's love. And it's a joy to love God with you and serve with you. So what do you see and what do you do with what you see? Today is a beautiful day, but many times we can't see it. I have a friend who's been through more difficulties than I can possibly imagine. She's dealt with abuse and loss in a very physical way. And sickness, she teaches me so much in how she lives from a place of gratitude, of thanksgiving, of giving thanks to God for the gift of a day. Today indeed is a beautiful day, but sometimes I just can't always see it. I frequently claim Romans 8, 28, where Paul writes to the church at Rome, all things work together, together, together for the good of those who love God and are called according to God's purposes. Certainly not all things are good, but it's an opportunity to to learn something new about who God is as well as who we are. So I'm trying to live into that, giving thanks for every beautiful day. And God help me see it. When I dig into Luke 17, verses 11 through 17, I want you to take a look at this map. So the beginning of Luke tells us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem And he's coming from the Galilee area, going through and near Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. One of the things we understand about first century Jews is that there were a lot of boundaries. Boundaries about how a Jew treats a Gentile or a Samaritan, which is a mixed race. How priests treat people, how men treat women. A lot of rules and regulations, a lot of boundaries. But the reality of these boundaries become about position and privilege. 
and people leveraging position and privilege for power and control. In Luke chapter 10, we find where Jesus shares the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in that, Jesus demolishes these boundaries. And he tells us to show mercy to everyone, everyone in need. Chapter 10, verse 23, he goes on to say, Blessed are those that have eyes to see, that have eyes to see. So look with me at the scripture, Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem. Now, I don't know about you, I've done lots of mission trips, but I think what Jesus is saying is that every day is a mission trip. Every day is about sharing the good news in our spirit and our attitude as we are going through our day. From the time we get up to the time we go to bed. When we get up, do you, do you begin the day on your knees and say, God, thank you for this beautiful day and help me see every opportunity to offer mercy and kindness as you've offered it to me. So on, on their way, Jesus was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he approached a village, ten men with a skin disease, some translations say leprosy. But what I want you to hear was a sense that they didn't live in the villages, but they lived outside. It was a sense of being an outcast, not welcome among the others because of being different. So as Jesus was approaching them, keeping their distance from him, because we find in Numbers chapter 5 that they had to live outside the city or the camp. And they actually had to say out loud, unclean, unclean, as others were approaching. Can you even begin to imagine what that does to your soul? To your soul. So here is Jesus approaching them. And what did they do in, in a unified voice, in a loud voice, they say, Master. Well, the interesting thing in Luke is the only places the word master is used is from disciples or believers. So maybe they had some level of belief and understanding. But then they say, show mercy, show us mercy or show mercy for us. And for them, that usually meant alms or money. We need money. We need help. We don't have a way to earn our own income to provide for ourselves. You've got to wonder, why didn't they say, I need to be healed if they understood who Jesus is? But how many times do I come up short of really understanding who Jesus is? Instead of asking God, I want... To you to do for me everything you desire to do instead of, here's my list. Always short of what God can do. So when Jesus saw them, what he saw was a group of people with a skin disease or leprosy. 
and he saw humanity, hurting humanity instead of, ooh, yuck, lepers. What might happen to me if I get too close? And maybe we do similar things when we look at the homeless. Instead of saying those folks are homeless, what if we said those folks just don't have a home right now? Mm. Or people with cancer. What if we say it and look at it differently? There are people with cancer instead of cancer patients. Looking at the humanity, looking at the similarities, looking at how we're alike instead of how we're different, and looking at the merciful need and an opportunity to share God. So when Jesus saw them, he said, go. Show yourself. Go, show yourself to the priest. Because we find in Leviticus chapter 14, one of the things, if, if a person with a skin disease or leprosy was healed, they had to go to the priest and the priest had to declare that they were healed before they could re-enter their communities. So go. And it's interesting to me, we're going to find they aren't healed until after they go. You know, friends, I can't help but think there may have been more than 10 lepers there and the others didn't bother to call out. And I certainly can't help but think there might have been 10 there that said, hey, I, I'm not going. Because that's who we are. Go ahead and heal me first, then I'll go. Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they left, they were cleansed. It reminds me very much, uh, under, when I was first under appointment, I had a, of a son that was 10 years old, and he, we left our house in Farragut and, and moved to a small parsonage in Blount County, and he left his, his swim team, his soccer team, his Boy Scouts, his school, he wanted to support his mom, but he really didn't want to move. We went out there for our first introductory meeting, saw the house with its challenges. Then we sat down and ate with folks. And as the district superintendent began to introduce me, this one precious lady held up her hand and said, but I thought we were still just talking about this. And there sat my 10-year-old son, my husband, and our daughter, who was entering high school. And I just had to take a breath. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. God is in the midst of this. It'll be okay. And one of the things when we got in the parking lot, I just thought, my 10-year-old son's going to say, surely we're not doing this now, Mom, right? But instead, this little 10-year-old boy looked at me and he said, Mom, I don't think they like you very much. And before I could say much other than, son, they're just afraid because they're receiving a female as their pastor, they're afraid. Before I could say much, he immediately said, but they will love you in a year. They will love you in a year. And indeed, it took a few months, and I felt very blessed to be a part of their community and serve alongside those folks. 
The change doesn't always happen until we go, until we take the step, until we move forward in faith, believing. But sometimes we want to sit and wait. God, just go ahead and do it, right? We know God can do immeasurably more than we can hope or dream or imagine, but what God does is does, does that through our faith. And therefore, we have to go. So one of them, of the ten, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he returned. He returned. He turned around, right? And he came back to Jesus. And he praised God with a loud voice, not a simple, thank you, God. He was excited. Thank you. And what's more, he got on his face. So there's people around, there's disciples, there's believers, there's followers, there may be townspeople. They're there in a, in a, it's not just he and Jesus in a private moment. There are people looking. And he gets on his face in, in joy and celebration and says, thank you. Thank you. And it's, all, it's this sense of maybe did he understand that Jesus is God and became man so that we might live life to the fullest, as John tells us? This sense of a moment that of Christology, of understanding this is the Christ. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, the hated among them. And Jesus replied, weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one else returned to praise God except this foreigner? Uh, did Jesus say that for Jesus or, or for the man at his feet? Or for us, with the boundaries we want to put up to leverage our own sense of position and privilege. Then Jesus said to him, get up, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. Do I believe he was talking about his skin? No. I believe because of his gratitude, his thanksgiving, his praise, his acknowledgement of the gift he had been given and who it came from, that was the sense of the faith that healed him. But too many times, right, we get caught up in our own sense of good fortune as though... We earned it, and, and, and yes, we're to join God in working hard. But there are plenty of people that work hard. Why do some have good fortune? This man understood what had happened to him was from a gift, nothing he earned. It was a gift of mercy. It was a gift from God. 
So when you look at the others that are going their own way, caught up in their own sense of going to the priest to show themselves healed so they could go back to their families and lives, did they ever even acknowledge what made the difference in them living outside their communities and getting the joy of going back to their families and communities? Hmm. So the point of this story is not the healing, but the response to healing, right? The response to healing. I want to suggest to you that gratitude is a barometer of our faith. Being thankful, thanking God is a barometer of our faith. Approaching the day to say today is beautiful even when I cannot see it. First thing in the morning. God, thank you for this day. It is a gift from you. And all of the good and perfect things of this world are from you. So you've given me this day. I don't know what's going to happen today, but it's a beautiful day. And I'm going to look to see every opportunity to engage as I am going not waiting for a mission trip or waiting for Sunday morning, but as I'm going through my day, I'm going to look for an opportunity to share your love, your kindness, your mercy. Because how we treat others is a manifestation of who we know God to be. So, gratitude. If it indeed is a barometer of my faith. How am I doing with my faith? How am I doing saying thank you to God for this day? Even when I cannot see the outcome of the day. It has been a real challenging moment for me as I think about it. Because like you, I work hard, and I want to be a part of bringing about good things. I must confess, I don't say thank you enough to the God of love and grace and mercy, who has so richly poured out that love. And has so richly poured out that love on this Kern community, the leadership, the faithfulness. I am excited about the future here because the faithfulness of the leadership here. Gratitude. Gratitude is my response to God's gift of saving mercy. God continues to remind me not to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, before I even know how things are going to turn out, to present my request to God as I am going. So Kern family, thank you for your faithfulness. I believe that God will inhabit your thankfulness, your gratitude, your celebration as we go 
and lead into the future and share God's mercy and grace in this building, but far beyond, in this community and in everyone as we see and look at an opportunity to do and share and give thanks. Today is beautiful, but sometimes I cannot see it. God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, I give you thanks that you meet us right where we are. You're here in every moment. Sometimes we don't acknowledge you. Sometimes we don't experience you. God, I ask that you show us that you're present. Help us to be still and to be quiet and to experience you. God, thank you for never leaving us, never giving up on us, always walking with us through whatever a day holds. Thank you for your mercy and love and kindness. God, I ask for your holy blessings on this fellowship as they love you and love others, I ask and believe that you will draw people to your great love. In your holy name, I give you thanks. Amen. Please receive this as a benediction from the 145th Psalm, the CEB version. It says, I will bless you every day, God. I will praise your name forever and always. The Lord is great and so worthy of praise. God's greatness cannot be grasped. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, very patient and full of faithful love. The Lord is trustworthy in all that God says. God is faithful in all that God does. The Lord is close to everyone who calls out to God, to all who call out to God sincerely. My mouth will proclaim the Lord's praise, and every living thing will bless God's holy name forever and always. As you are going, See opportunities and do by sharing God's amazing grace. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.